Was it good? Was it bad? What was it like working with him, working with her? You'll hear all the tales you wish you knew. Every aspect of the theater, too. Feel your love of Broadway anew on Backstage Babble. Hi, this is Charles Kirsch, and welcome to Backstage Babble. Backstage Babble is a podcast interviewing professionals in the theater industry about themselves, their careers, and the people they've worked with along the way. And before I get to my very exciting interview for today, I'd like to tell you about a live show that I am doing at the noted New York City cabaret venue 54 Below on Monday, August 28th at 7 p.m. The show is called Backstage Babble Celebrates Tony Awards History, and it will be a funny, once-in-a-lifetime celebration of Broadway's biggest night, featuring clips, trivia, and performances by Tony nominees Willie Falk, Penny Fuller, Anita Gillette, John Andrew Morrison, Jill O'Hara, Leroy Reams, Austin Pendleton, Virginia Seidel, Jane Summerhays, and Martin Vidnovic, some of whom you may know from previous episodes of this podcast. It will also also feature Elena Bennett and a video appearance from Tony winner Daisy Egan, and it is accompanied by Alex Rybeck. Please do buy your tickets for this event at the link that will be posted in the episode description. It would be great to see you there. And now, today, I am so honored to present an exclusive career interview with Broadway dancer Leland Palmer, who now goes by Linda Posner. After making her Broadway debut in Hello, Dolly, Leland went on to perform in Bajor, A Joyful Noise, where she assisted Michael Bennett, Applause, and finally Pippin, where she starred as Fostrada. She also toured with Applause, Pleasures and Palaces, and Little Me, starring Your Own Thing off-Broadway, and appeared regionally in Sugar, Philemon, and Dames at Sea. In addition to all this, she starred on screen in Valentino and Bob Fosse's All That Jazz. And now, without further ado, here's Leland Palmer. <gasps> well, so I would love to um, to start by asking you, how did you first become interested in theater? And I actually was never interested in theater growing up. Um, one thing I wanted to do when I was seven or eight, there was a little dance studio that dance studio that opened in in Westchester California where I lived where the international airport is now and I asked my mom I said my friends are going to this little dance studio ballet and stuff like that and she said no you're not doing that so I never did that but I always was interested in it and then when I got into high school instead of taking a gym gym or basketball or baseball I took modern dance and I loved it the teacher was great. Her name was Madeline Seminario. She was fabulous. And I got very interested and loved to dance. And then at one point when I was in, in uh, school doing that, um, my father saw me doing something. Uh, with, uh, he came to a little performance at, at our little school. And he said, wow, I never knew that you that you could do that. And of course, when you're parent who has never been very effusive about complimenting you because um, I was always interested in horses and riding and that wasn't anything that was very impressive to my family um, 
he said, wow, I never knew you could dance like that. Well, that did it. I started taking dance classes any place I could. And then I moved to New York and studied with some incredible people and, and then started studying singing and acting. And then from then on, when the auditions came up for, for Little Me with uh, Bob Fosse directed it, I got into that working with Sid Caesar and I loved it and got little parts, kept getting little parts here and there. And then it just went from there. And then I just auditioned for stuff. And, and were there cast albums in your house or anything like that growing up? Did you have a sense of theater as a, even as a? Never. And I was, it was horses, just horses. And to go back a little bit to Little Me and all of that, what was it like to be exposed to Bob Fosse at such a young age? And did you sort of bond right away or? How did that go? Did I sort of, yeah, he really liked my work, especially because when he invited me to go in his room and sleep with him, I said no. And I, he especially liked that. <laughs> and uh, we had a running joke from all the shows. Every show he ever did after that, I would, he would call me to do. And, um, and he, he always joked and said, uh, my yellow towel, my yellow towel lady, because when I turned him down to uh, sleep with him, he uh, he had he had this yellow towel in his room, and he had taken the towel and put it on the lamp, which was my first hint that something was. Was I thought he called me in because he was going to make my part in the show bigger, you know, little me, and he was going to. And then when he got the towel and put it over the lamp, so the room was dark, I took the towel off the lamp <laughs> and put it on, on on. I think I put it on him. And uh, so he started, he always joked about my yellow towel teacher or something like that, you know. Oh. And he, every show he did, he always would invite me to be a part of it. Oh. And I believe that Bajor was your Broadway debut. And how did that come about? Well, actually, that was a wonderful story because um, they wanted gypsy looking women uh, and, uh, you know, really shapely and black hair and really gypsyish looking women and i i went there and i was standing next to we, we got to started getting you know people would get eliminated and people get held uh, held on they'd say number so and so and so and so thank you very much but will you please so and so 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 stay so i was standing next to a girl who was actually sleeping with one of the musicians in the show. And we were standing, it was between she and I, the two of us were st standing there and they had already done eliminations and chosen these tall gypsy-ish looking girls with black hair and very made up and everything. And I stood next to her, but because my dancing was, I was a consummate dancer and my life was just dancing, you know, after horses and, um, so as we were standing there together, she unzipped her leotard, which was up to her neck, and it revealed her cleavage and was, <laughs> took her hair down. She had it up in a bun. She took her hair down, this long flaxen hair fell down along her shoulders. And um, it was actually, and you know how, I don't know if you've ever been to a audition like that, but usually the people that are eliminated go and sit in the audience to watch, you know, to see who gets it. Mm 
Well, I was, they were, the peoples loved my dancing, all my fellow dancers and if not, and they could see that in terms of dance wise, I was far superior, but in terms of cleavage and long hair and trying to get into the bed with somebody, I was not the one. And it ends up that she did get hired. I didn't. And when I didn't get hired, the whole crowd in the audience booed when and they they were just they no wrong, you know, they're, and that was very, very exciting. And so what ended up happening is she started having an affair with uh, one of the people in the I won't say who it was, but that wouldn't be right. But with one of the big people in the, you know, putting the show together. And um, after the show opened, she couldn't cut the work. And so I was called in and uh -huh. went in and took, took over. But that's how I met Michael Bennett and tripped Cheetah Rivera on stage because I had to be a gypsy. The show's bajour, you know, everybody's looking for a big uh, and And I had a black wig on that was like halfway around my head. I had a low, a low thing on which twisted around. So it was all twisted. And I started, I'm, we're supposed to make an entrance. So I come in doing the step and Michael Bennett is standing there and he saw me coming toward him and he just backed up and knocked Cheetah Rivera over. <laughs> And she was furious and she stood up, but she really, which I did not know, she was watching me when we would dance and do the steps and stuff. And so over the few weeks that we were showing our stuff, she, I didn't know this, but she was watching me. And, she, and so when she got knocked over and fell flat on the ground, she looked up and she saw Michael, you know, who hit her. And then she saw that it was me and that hit him and he hit her. And he said, well, if you weren't such a fabulous dancer and performer, I would have you fired. <laughs> so I stayed in the show and it was, that was a good story. Oh, yes, that is. So funny. she was a, she was a fan as, as when I worked with Lauren McCall in applause, she was also a fan. And uh, it's wonderful when people you respect and admire so much see the hard work and and the dedication that one puts into it and they appreciate it so much so that's how it kind of just went on like that and and uh, my career just grew oh yes and what was it like to be choreographed by peter Gennaro on that show and oh he's wonderful i still remember the, the counts of those were the things we all had to do. This da 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 da, and I still remember it. It was like hundred years ago, <laughs> and I still we practiced and practiced and practiced. And Herschel Bernardi was in it, and there was some, and Nancy Dussault. It was just a wonderful company, and of course Cheetah was amazing. And uh, yeah, oh yes. And do you remember a particularly difficult audition that you did? One that was the hardest. Oh, I remember I didn't get auditions for a really long time because I would be funny and silly. And one audition I did, I'm dancing and this and that, and I'm doing great. And then at the end, I just fell down purposely. I just, and they hated that. 
they had, they had no sense of humor, no nothing. I thought, well, this will be really funny because I love to be funny. And so I'm dancing away and then I just collapse onto the floor and they just went, thank you very much. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> when Bob Fosse was auditioning for Pippin, I told my agent that I wanted to audition and they said, well, you're not really right for the part of Fostrada because they're asking for like a Joan Baez type, you know, tall, long, dark hair, sexy, you know, and I was anything but tall with long, dark hair, dark hair and sexy. But I decided, I talked my agent into getting me an audition. And, um, and so I can't remember, I think I told them to, I think Bob Fosse, I can't remember, he called me or something. I don't remember what. But anyway, I auditioned and I I went there with my hair in curls, like a perm all over my head and uh, lots of socks stuffed in my bra and uh, and a very low hip hugger cut thing. And I walked in and Bob Fosse just... <laughs> and then I sang, I sang uh, the Janis Joplin song take another little piece of my heart wow. and I can hit those notes, that screaming sound. And Bob just stood there like, who are you? Who are the people I used to say? I was a combination of Hermione Gingold, Zazu oh. Pitts and Gracie Allen. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that did it, that did it, you know, because Bob always saw out of the box. He totally loved that kind of, you know, someone that doesn't just, sleep with them or fall into the box oh, yeah. that is a great story and what was the process like of sort of continuing to train while you were on Broadway and in New York oh consummate I would be the I would come in way before we would start rehearsing and I would warm up I was always in fact the dancers we just yeah, did 50th a 50th anniversary of Pippin and I a lot of the dancers who were there were dancers that I worked with in the different shows and what they reported when they saw me and when they were talking about each other, they talked about me as being always there first. They remember me, uh, uh, set the bar for them in terms of warming up, stretching, getting there early, really going over and over the steps. That was one of the things they said about me was how, um, well, I don't remember the word. You were there. What were they said? The, the dancer said that I was so you're really like focused, very focused, and, very tunnel vision and, and tunnel vision with what I was doing, and very uh, accountable for everything. You know, wanted to really, really, uh, I, I really honored the gift that I had been given. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I'm such a great dancer. It was like, you want to be a great dancer, you you work at it. You know, so I always did. Right. And one of the next shows you did was Pleasures and Palaces, which closed on the road. And what was that show about, for those who don't know? Be it ever so humble, there's no place like Pleasures and Palaces. That was, oh God, that show was, it's just, oh, it, was, it was so bad. It was just not interesting. It wasn't, although usually the, 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 the choreography, because I always get somebody marvelous to choreograph it, um, but that show closed on the road. Bob Fosse. Yeah. And it was it was wonderful to be so respected. And Bob, every show I ever did after I worked with him, he came and saw wherever I was, whether I was out on the road, whether he was always show up. 
And did you find that there was sort of a change in Bob Fosse over time? Did he change between 1964 and then 79 with all that jazz? And He got, he, he was, I think he was a genius. It was very philosophical, very, very philosophical man and very deeply, deeply uh, devoted to his practice, to his work and to the dancers he respected and, and uh, yeah, he was he was uh, self-destructive. There's no question about it. But he used to have dinners that we would all be at these tables and sit there. And he was just, he was so, so brilliant. He was really like a sage. I mean, he just, he, he was really, I think he was a genius, completely a genius. And very self-destructive. And you, you know, as was Michael Bennett, whom I worked with and assisted for years, Michael Bennett. Yeah. Until I refused to do, uh, I wanted to do a show that I wanted to do and it wasn't one of his shows. And then he, he wouldn't never work with me again. He was very angry and feelings were deeply hurt. Oh, yes. And I believe A Joyful Noise was one of those shows on which you assisted Michael Bennett. And why do you think that that show was able to run less long on Broadway? And I don't know. We both, he received, didn't he receive a, the Tony for Best Choreographer? And I received a, a, a Tony Award for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah. Swen Swenson. I broke Swen Swenson's nose. Ah. In that lift, you know, that lift where he picks me up and throws me over his shoulders and I land, the guys catch me in back of him. Yeah. And he and he ended up wearing a baseball helmet, a baseball uh, catcher's mask from then on because I literally broke his nose. <laughs> wow. And was there ever a show that you turned down on Broadway or or off? Yeah, uh, after after I retired, um. Uh, Mike Nichols called me to do a show and uh, it it didn't run very long, but I first turned that down, turned down Jules Pfeiffer's Hold Me. No, I didn't turn that down. I love that. But actually, because I had a complete physical and emotional breakdown after a chorus line uh -huh. that was playing at the Schubert Theater in Los Angeles. Because when Michael asked me to do that show, I didn't want to do it. And I did it anyway. And that just goes to show you all listening audience that if there's something you don't want to do and you feel in your heart and your belly, it's not the right thing. Don't do it. Even though it's with a famous choreographer and it's da -da -da, because uh, I just one morning I woke up and I couldn't even move. And Michael kept saying, can't you just come and do the dinner? But Priscilla Lopez took over my part. Because I was gone. I, I, I couldn't do it. I said, I can't do the show. And he tried to talk me into it, but I was just ill. And so it took me four years before I kind of came back to be able to perform again. And that was in Jules Pfeiffer's Hold Me at the Westwood Playhouse. I played the dancer. And needless to say, I didn't have any lines or songs or anything. I just, just moved. And then I started being able to come back, you know, to from my from the breakdown but it was a complete breakdown I just was oh I'm sorry to, to hear that no it was the best thing that ever happened to me because what it said to me was don't be forced to do anything that doesn't feel right for you to do because your body will always tell the truth and it did <laughs> <laughs> and 
but then it worked out well because I wrote a lot of poetry from the experience. Ah. And how did you sort of find that as an art foreman? Well, because I needed to express what had happened and finally the words came to it. You know, it came to me in a dream, uh, the movements that I saw myself dancing. So I, I wrote a poem to what I saw in my dream. Ah. And you mentioned earlier um, working with Gower Champion, and I'd love to ask about that experience of coming into Hello Dolly. And oh, that was really something. I replaced Sandra D, Sandra Lee in Hello Dolly as Minnie Faye, where I just said, ah, "This is my boy." <laughs> oh, and um, and when you're replacing, do you find that there's often a lot of pressure to sort of be like the person who came before? Or no, because I I always admired the people that I was replacing. And so um, actually Bonnie Franklin and I ended up doing a little uh, show together and uh, we had so much fun. We went back and forth and we just said, but no, because I mean, I just always do the best I can, whether I'm replacing somebody that's like me or not like me, whatever. I mean, I certainly don't consider myself like I mean, Sandra Lee was fabulous and she did a great mini fight. So you know, I just kind of copied her and put in my own things here and there. But basically, if I see somebody that's doing a great job, I don't need to invent a new wheel. I, I mean, if I can mimic what they got, what they were really good at. And of course, it's always going to be my own. It's never going to be theirs because I'm not them. And uh but she, she was wonderful. So I had very tiny, but big shoes to step into. <laughs> and I know that's a show that gets revived a lot and done a lot now. And what sort of advice would you give to someone reviving Hello, Dolly, having been part of the original? Well, you'd you, you don't really have a lot to say. You're going to follow your director and your choreographer I mean you don't say well no I think it should be done this way only Lauren Bacall could do that but you know or a big star but I wasn't a big star I mean I was good and 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 doing well but it wasn't my place to say I can't I won't do this because it's not my thing I do the best I can and then the choreographer or the director they have they have the say you know right and if they're good choreographers and good directors and they give a lines or an acting direction or a, or a dance choreography direction that the person isn't doing well, that's not, then it's their job to make, to make it look good rather than chastise the person that's trying hard. You, you find their style as the choreographer or director, because I've directed and choreographed stuff since, but you don't force them into a thing that they do badly at and you can tell they're miserable right but some some choreographers not choreographers so much but sometimes directors do that and it's a shame bob fossey was a fabulous director and a fabulous choreographer but he could be he could be mean to people that weren't cutting the work and weren't able to do it i mean even actors who he was directing the actors to in a lot of his stuff and oh my god I've seen him just reduce somebody into a puddle on the floor uh, right and I would love to ask you more about your own thing which you mentioned before and what was that process like of sort of getting into that very specific style of the beatniks and all that 
I was just, I was just, uh, I auditioned for it and, and Russ Thacker and myself, they could make us look enough alike with my dyeing my hair red and him having red hair. And uh, it was so much fun. And I'm trying to remember the audition for that. Oh yeah, that was Don Driver. Yeah, my audition was was just fabulous. And there was no way that that he could not hire me because there was so much excitement about my work. But he was not, he was, he was an kind of an angry man. And he, he got very cruel with me one night because I think it was because basically I think he he had some great talent, but he was a small man inside with his confidence. And so when I got so much of the reviews, so many of the starring reviews, I think he was jealous and angry. So he got pretty nasty with me. I mean, he would, right before I'd go on stage, he'd say, you're nothing. You don't know how to do anything. You're the worst performer I've ever worked with. I mean, this is when I was walking away, Russ and I were walking away with the reviews. Right. And I was getting asked in Hollywood, and uh, everywhere we'd go, I was asked to perform on shows and this and that. And Don wasn't getting the attention he wanted. He was extremely angry, hurt, and quite cruel, very cruel. Right before I'd step on the stage, he'd say, you are lousy. You are a terrible performer. And I would be practically in tears when I'd go onto the stage. But then I would, like a good actress, I would use it. You know, right. <laughs> use it or lose the audience. <laughs> yeah. When I, the first show I ever did was Michael Bennett. Michael Bennett hired me to play anybody's in West Side Story for the Phoenix Star Theater for Buster Bonoff in Arizona. And that was my first real with, with uh, Chris, Chris Walken and Georgianne played the late lead uh, jet woman. And Chris was the head of the, jet men and I played anybody's and that was my first real professional job and Michael Bennett choreographed it and it was after that show that he asked me to assist oh, him which I just I just threw myself I'd never done that kind of an acting role and I found that that it was so moving to me that I would cry I found out I could cry I did that in all that jazz I I could cry actually it was um Catherine Hepburn that I was channeling when I cried in all that jazz when he's done on the bed and I'm looking through the mirror look through, through the glass at him when Bob is when uh, what, what's his name in the show it's not Bob Fosse it's uh, uh but yeah when when he was in bed and and I'm looking through the glass at him and and uh pretending that everything's fine I'm dancing around telling the cast he's getting better and he's gonna find but I just uh I learned later that Bob said to the cameraman, because I, uh, Robert Allen Arthur, his uh, producer, later told me that Bob told the cameraman, don't take the camera off of her, whatever, just keep it on her, which was a great honor for me. I just never knew that. And so when I started acting the scene, I started to cry because I was calling on Catherine Hepburn and really channeling her which I felt I could do and I just cried and 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 they kept the camera on me the whole time and I didn't know that I just was you know and uh, 
I later found out that was happening. Oh, yeah. And how did the, all that jazz first come about? Was that just an invitation from Bob Fosse or? Audrey, I played Gwen Verdon part, right. Yes. Um, she was all, I was always a big fan of hers. And um, Bob had me audition. And of course he loved my work because he had seen me in so many things. But <laughs> he was directing me. He's such a, I love taking direction from him because if you don't fight him and you do whatever he says, so he wanted in the scene, you know, where I climb the ladder and I'm and I burst out laughing at the top and I say, you'll be the death of me. And Bob walked by me when I was on the ladder and he wanted me to laugh. He's just brilliant at getting what he wants from his actors. He just so he walks by me and he has this banana and he's holding it in front of his fly and he walks by me and of course I just lost it and that's just what he wanted I just laughed and laughed and then said my line you'll be the death of me you know and that he'll do anything to get you know he knows exactly what to do to get what he wants from his actors yes and I'd be curious to know what was the experience like of sort of embodying Gwen Verdon and was she around during the filming or yes she was Bob and 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 Gwen had a great working relationship incredible i mean i'm sure there were there were periods where it was just impossible and she went through a lot of hard times but she was amazing i gwen verdon was I, I would always before i was even on broadway i would walk i would see her do stuff and i would walk by her poster and i would just you know she was she was an idol of mine so when i got the part of uh, audrey in all that jazz she was on the set quite a bit. She was, they worked beautifully together. And uh, she, he would ask her for her advice. And uh, they really had a great, by that time, they had a great working relationship. Um, and I, I just was so honored anything. she had, But I trusted my directors very, very much. Uh, and so whatever they'd ask for, I would, I would do my best to give it to them. And did you find that it was sort of hard for Bob Fosse to be directing the story of his own life? And was that sort of an unusual? I think he loved it. I think it was really cathartic for him, actually, um, because he he wasn't. I mean, the movie was very much like what it was like while he was directing it and stuff. I mean, he was just taken over by, the, you know, demons sometimes and and not taking good care of himself and and but the story was very much like his life it right. was not it wasn't all that made up I mean he he definitely loved women and was you know there was infidelity and but there was often always there was also the incredible partnering of Gwen and Bob that was just unsurpassable to watch them work together oh yeah and he respected her so much and and having been a first-hand witness and all that I'd be curious to know did you ever watch the tv series Fosse Burden and how did you oh no I never liked those very much ah uh. yeah <laughs> I mean I think that they you know I think that they rose to a pretty high occasion but when you've worked with both of them in the flesh and been around them and seen them working uh, the way those of us who actually 
did his shows and did the originals and this and that as he's creating them as he goes, I think it's they it never rises to that for me because of knowing them both so well and working with them. But I admire their chutzpah and admire their taking on doing it, but it never touches my heart the way they did when they'd work together or working with them. Oh, yes. And so I know you did a few seasons um, at the Kenley Players in Ohio. And <laughs> what was that like to be with Sean Kenley? And... Well, that was working when I worked with Michael Bennett when I was assisting him with the Kenley Players. And uh, he was a, I really liked him. I mean, a lot of people thought he was a monster and crazy and this and that. I thought he was, he, he was reviving a time in theater that you don't hardly see anymore, the Kenley players. And I got to play Gladys in Pajama Game. I, I really liked John Kenley. I got along really well with him. I thought he was very, very wise and bright and very eccentric and strange, but I, I really liked him very much. And we had a very good relationship. He had a lot of respect for me and I of with him. And I loved working in summer stock, doing one show after the I other. No, um, was there ever one of those sort of great roles, like in the pajama game or something like that, that you wanted to do but didn't end up doing? Or no, never. I think I ended up doing all the roles I ever wanted to do because I never looked at a role and thought, "Oh, I'd really like to do that." Because usually, I got to do roles I'd like to do. I think my very, very, very favorite role, which Bob Fosse came to see when I was doing it in. Uh, Summer Philadelphia, where was I doing it? Summer stock was Irma in Irma La Douce. That was my all time favorite role. I think that's the most beautifully written musical show because it's not like, I mean, I did How to Succeed in Business with Bob, with um, uh, Bobby Morse and Larry Kurt and Cyril Chard. And I did, you know, great, great stuff. I, I mean, not. Not that my stuff was so great, but the shows were great, and I always did my best. But Irma LaDuce, usually, you know, the Broadway shows that are that I I had been used to doing, there was always this kind of build up for, and now the musical number. <laughs> but in Irma LaDuce, she's talking along, and you know, like like in my character, and then the music, and then you just go right into song, and that's what I. Th- thought was just fabulous that there wasn't a you know a, a downbeat and a this and that and an advertisement sort of that we're now going to sing a song like in so many of the older Broadway shows this was you'd be sing, doing the part and talking and but what was his name I want to say Nettle his name started with an N but the the male lead uh his his name in the show but Irma you're talking along, she's at the bar, she's talking to the guys, and all of a sudden she's, what's the use of living nothing matters anymore? It just comes right out of the dialogue. And I just thought that was brilliant. I think that's the only show I remembered so clearly that that was written, that there was no break before and now comes the musical number. I believe you um, directed that show later on as well, <laughs> 42nd Street Moon. I did, yeah, I got to direct it, yeah. I love directing, actually. I directed the very first show I ever directed was Vung for Over the Cuckoo's Nest when I moved to Willits years and years and years ago. And they just did that here. And I saw it. It was a great production. My daughter and I saw it last night. Yeah. 
And so I'd love to ask about another uh, movie you did, which was Valentino with Rudolph Nureyev. <laughs> You're great because there's so many great stories. Well, Valentino, it starts with me doing your own thing at the, uh, where do we do your own thing at the uh, theater in, in, I can't remember the name of the theater. Anyway, some there were there was a girl's dressing room, a woman's dressing room that was about the size of a postage stamp. And we're taking our makeup off after one of the shows of your own thing. And somebody knocked on the, the, the stage manager knocked on the door and said, Leland, there's somebody here to see you. And I'm taking my makeup off and I'm, you know, I've just done the show. And I said, uh, they said, it's Marco, it's Rudolph Nureyev and Marco Fontaine. I, I said, oh, all right. <laughs> I started laughing and I look in my mirror and I see them standing back there. <laughs> And it was Rudolph Valentino and Margot Fontaine. Rudolph Nureyev, sorry. And uh, Nureyev and Margot Fontaine. Wow. And they came backstage and Nureyev had never ever seen dancing like I did. Because when I danced in the show, it was never like I was not the character. I, I always was the character dancing and, and uh, or acting or whatever. It never like was like, a, now there's a dance number. It's like I went right from the part, you know, uh, into a dance or into a scene, into a song. And I never broke the character of uh, Viola. And they had never seen that before. Nureyev had never seen the kind of dancing I did because it wasn't like I all of a sudden went into dance. It was like I went, I was the person that moved like that. Right. And he had never seen that. So they were waiting backstage, but it was so, so they wanted to meet me and talk to me about how I did that and what was what, you know, and then they invited me uh, to come. He invited me to uh, come to his house and have a meeting there. And it was very, very lovely. Yeah. And so when Valentino was being made, I got a call from Ken Ken Russell to audition for Marjorie Tain, who was, uh, you know, she plays the drunken has been over the hill exhibition dancer that trips him up and knocks him down. Well, Nureyev, when he saw me that I was playing Mar 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 Marjorie Tain, he was so relieved because he was so not in his element oh. as an actor. So not in his element. But when he saw me, oh, Lynn, Leland, and he just grabbed me and hugged me. And he, it was like a friend, you know, was there because he was, bless his heart, he was having so much trouble with the part. I mean, and so he was so happy to see me. And what was so wonderful, I mean, Ken Russell was amazing to work with. I just adored working with him. And he was very wise because Nureyev couldn't, when we did our scene where I'm drunk and we fall down, he wouldn't let anybody trip him. Uh, he would not. I mean, he was so relieved just to see me because he was, he was having so much trouble with Michelle Phillips. They, I mean, we'd, we'd get to the set in the morning and they'd say they were slapping each other all morning. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they, they, it was impossible for one thing. Uh, maybe she can act in other things, but as far as anybody could see, she couldn't act and she couldn't really. 
do a whole lot except look gorgeous. <laughs> and and so when we were working on our scene where I was drunk, Nuriev would never let anybody throw him off balance. And he knew he had to be thrown. He said, no, no, I do not do that. No, I do. So Ken Russell called me over because we were rehearsing it over and over again. And Ken Russell said, when I signal you, he said, dance the, the choreography with him perfectly, perfectly. So needless to say, if you know anything about acting, dancing and stuff, which you do, it takes a really good actor, dancer to be able to on cue, you know, do what you need to do right then and there. So he said, Dan so Ken Russell pulled me over. He said, dance perfectly. Do all the steps that he knows that he's rehearsed. Do it perfectly. And when I signal you, trip him. Ah. Because Nuriev would not go down. He would, no matter what, in rehearsals, no, no, you do not lock me off balance. I so Ken Russell pulls me over and tells me what, so we're dancing, I'm doing all the steps perfectly, perfectly. And Ken Russell signals me, the cameraman's ready, moves the camera where it needs to be. And I trip him and he falls. The exact reaction that of course Ken Russell wanted, which is him being furious, happens. Uh -huh. Because he, he wouldn't act it because he's not that great an actor. But to actually have it happen, he was furious. He landed on the ground. He looked at me. He, what are you doing? <laughs> and they got it all on film. Wow. So that was exciting. And he loved me for it. I mean, afterwards he said, oh, thank you. Thank you. I couldn't have done it if it hadn't been you. <laughs> we, we became, we were very, very uh, copacetic. He was very grateful that I was doing the role. And I was very grateful that he was so gracious and so lovely. And um, we all went, many of us were invited to his house for, for dinner one night and talk about a truly Russian house with the wood and the furniture and everything. It was like being in another world. It was fabulous. Yeah. And then I went to Ken Russell's at one point and he had mastiffs, real mastiffs. These, I think he had three of them. They looked like they were guarding the gate. Of, they were Cerberus, you know, guarding the gates of hell. They were huge. You could ride them. They, I've never seen such magnificent dogs in my entire life. He had three full-grown mastiffs, which are the size of small ponies. Wow. Wow. I mean, I've had such great experiences. Okay. You know? Great. And you mentioned your own Oh, it's is that rain? It's pouring rain. Yeah. Oh, it's going to snow here it's, again. It's, 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 it's snowing now? No, it's, sleet, it's hailing. Sleeting, hailing, yeah. Wow. Anyway, so... What else, dear one, dear okay. friend, Charles? Thank you. Well, so I'd love to ask you a little more about your own thing, which I know we talked about sure. earlier, but I'd love to know what it was like to take it to London then, that whole experience. Oh, and Monaco, we went and performed for Prince Rainier and Princess Grace in Monaco also with your own thing. Wow. In London, the most horrific thing happened. They don't boo the cast anywhere or a performer except in London uh -huh. and in London it was I'm waiting for my after I'm doing the the dialogue to um 
uh, dear Orsino, he was, and I'm doing that big monologue right before I go into the song. The musical director never gave me my intro notes, ever. He never gave me. So I'm going from doing this long monologue into the song. And so I started completely off key. Uh -huh. The orchestra kept playing and I'm totally off and the audience booed. Oh. I, they, I never heard a performer be booed off the audience except in vaudeville, you know, when you're watching and they're pretending like, you know, oh, and it's just, just devastating. So I stopped after getting halfway through it being booed and I walked up to the conductor and I said, could I please have my starting note? And this time I'd really like to have it be the right one. It was just, but meanwhile, I was just practically in tears. In fact, I think I did at one point stop and start crying. Ah, oh, wow. And did you know with that show that it would be a success? Because it is sort of an unusual show with all the interjections from famous, famous figures. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I I didn't know that at all. But then I I never had that feeling about a show because I was, it wasn't like I was a veteran performer, you know? And so I just took everything as like, wow, you know, what's happening right now? I mean, I was always like, I think very present in what I was doing. It wasn't like I was imagining, oh, if this happens or I wish I could, or the, it was in the moment, you know, there's nothing so in the moment is when the orchestra starts playing, the curtain opens and the orchestra start playing and you make your entrance either physically and with a song or with dialogue, you gotta be right there. <laughs> oh. And did you ever have another mishap on stage or anything like that? Yes, it was also in Your Own Thing. And uh, no, it was in uh, Ruby, oh, Dames uh, at Sea. Dames, oh, yes, yes. Dames at Sea, there's a cue where I, we're, we're seeing, I've just sung, pitter patter, what's the matter with me? I forget what, what I just done, but it was time for, my for the guy to come on and so i finished my dialogue and this and, that, and i and i dick is supposed to come on and i see kurt i think it was kurt lask or kurt or peterson. peterson yeah peterson. i see him standing in the wings talking to people <laughs> and it's his it's cue to come on and so i do a ruby and i go dick oh dick <laughs> nothing i went <laughs> and he came on <laughs> but I couldn't believe it he's standing in the wings talking and I'm going oh dig dig perfectly Ruby Keeler right. and then I just <laughs> yelled really loud and the audience <laughs> cracked up that's a great story and so I would love to ask about uh, being on the road with Lauren Bacall and also about Ann Baxter, who I know you did it with on Broadway. I got close with them. I got very close with Betty Bacall. Oh. Very close with her. And, and she just admired me so much. And she was very supportive with performers that she admired. You know, she's very respectful. And I still have a beautiful, beautiful cameo ring that she gave me. I'm gonna, if she respects you, she's awesome with you. If she doesn't respect you, look out. <laughs> she is such an honest, straightforward, real person. There's no, 
she's she she's a consummate actress, but and she got a consummate role for her abilities in that part. But she, you know, if she <laughs> if she liked you, she really. Yeah, she was, we were quite great fans of one another. So I love this ring. And I was so, so honored and surprised when she gave me this ring. Uh, anyway. And what do you like or dislike in general about sort of life on the road and touring with the show? I loved it. I loved it. I loved the company. Um, I still, I, I've, I looked up friends that I had for years, uh, Bit Goss and, and, and Miles, uh, what's his name? Ross Miles. I tried to find them. I did find Charles Schneider, who was the director at Kenley. He was the musical director. I did find him and called him. And uh, he 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 lived with his wife on a lovely ranch. And, oh, I loved it. I loved it because I really loved the cast, and we all got along really well. And uh, and my big wardrobe trunk. I had that big wardrobe trunk. I used, and then you'd wait for the truck to come and pick it up, and then they'd meet you at your, you know, you'd sign up for where you wanted to live. And I, I loved the whole thing. I loved it all. I, I just loved it all. And a show you did, I know, on the West Coast was um, Sugar with Cyril Richard. And what was oh my God. Work with him? And I know he had a heart attack at, right before the. I don't remember Cyril having a heart attack during the show at all. I worked with Larry Kurt, uh, Cyril Richard, Bobby Morse, but but we did the whole show and he hadn't had a heart attack, I don't think. About him. That was one of my favorite parts. Hey, why not? Hey, why not? Who can tell? I loved playing Sugar Shell. I, I, again, I got to stuff my brow to here <laughs> and, uh, and I had my hair was blonde, was like blonde real blonde and uh i'd said it before the show and we curly and blonde. and i love doing the part of sugar because i'd never done a part that was you know it's like a sex kitten hey why not say why not who can tell i just oh i just love playing sugar uh, i played it at the dorothy chandler pavilion and i think i played it somewhere else but i can't remember and of course, um, Pippin, were, we were talking about what, before. What about Pippin? Uh, well, I'd be curious to ask about working with Ben Vereen, too, who was this great star. Oh, fabulous. Everybody. It was great working with John Rubenstein, Ben Vereen. And of course, doing the revival of it just recently at the 54th Street Theater. That was, did you see that? Did you go? Yes, yes. I was there on Monday night. Oh, so good. You saw it. You saw me break down. <laughs> cry a couple of times oh yes but it was wonderful and you were great and didn't you what did you think of that that uh, film that my daughter took of of me doing the the number and everything and all those different shots of me at the recording studio and wasn't that incredible yes it was great it was so funny and you sounded great and I would love to ask how you made the decision to sort of go to Willits in the first place and I wanted to uh I wanted to be in a place where there were children, where I was, where I, <clears throat> I was just tired of living uh, in, you know, temporary places here and there doing a show. No. I was, uh, I was asked to do the Jules Pfeiffer play at the Westwood Playhouse. And I met a woman named Kathleen Kirkpatrick. 
and she lived in Willits. And she invited me to spend Christmas with her at her place in Willits. Well, I got there and she introduced me, introduced me to friends in the set. And everybody, they took their babies everywhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, there were babies went to the movies and were nursed by their moms in the movies. They went to these outdoor events. There were always children around. And, and I, I just thought, this is amazing. Because when I was in Israel, it was very much like that, where the babies were, were so much, except if they were uh, in the... Uh, in the children's houses, that was hard for me. But anyway, um, <clears throat> babies were a part of everything. The whole families were really high on people's priority. And I had never experienced that because I had gone to boarding school as at three and a half years old. And I just never knew what it was like to be with, be with, for a parent to be with their kids kind of thing, you know? And so, uh, so I, I was living in San Bernardino at the time because I was doing a show for the San Bernardino Civic Light Opera Company. I remember what, I can't remember what I was doing. I think I was doing an original piece. And so I met somebody from here and I came and I said, I, I'm moving here. Uh, and so for, for a month, every weekend I would drive, I'd leave at midnight and get in at nine in the morning from San Bernardino to Willits. And I did this for, I think a month. Every night I'd leave at midnight and get into Willits. And I started to meet people and there, and then my friend said, this fellow I know who, who runs the museum is moving out of his cottage. Why don't you take a look at it? Well, I already had furniture cause I had my own place in wherever I'd go. But so I moved to Willits and I've been here ever since 40 years. Oh yes. And was there ever a consideration of going back to New York to do a show or anything like that during that? Well, time? just the, no, just when I was, in fact, I said no when I first was asked to go back for, to do the, the, the anniversary thing of Pippin. I said, no, I don't want to go. But then after the months that kept going by when I kept saying no, my neighbors are real, especially one of them, um, is a real theater, what do you say, aficionado? Yes, yeah. I mean, he knows everything that's ever been done. And like you, he lived in New York and at seven years old, eight, nine, 10, 11, whatever it was, he was going to every show and he saw Pippin on Broadway with me oh. so many times. And he even showed me his program that had my autograph in it. Wow. And they turned out that they lived next door to us. <laughs> They moved, they moved here and they live next door. We've become like brothers and sisters, my daughter and myself and Bobby and Michael. We're just, it's just marvelous. But um, that's, so how, that's how I, I loved it. having, I love the idea of the babies. I love that, 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 that children were included in everything, which I had never seen in New York. I hadn't seen it on the road. I hadn't seen it. But here it was like every event that happened, there were always children there. Right. And I loved it because I I always imagined when I used to make out with my upper arm when I was 15 and pretending I was with somebody and going to be a mom. Um, I always thought that I'd have between four and six, four and six children. Oh. And I have one. <laughs> and, I, and I had her when I was 42. <laughs> I made it. Right. 
and she is absolutely when people say what's the best role you have ever ever played and she she's probably saying right now don't you dare say this man. I don't care. oh she doesn't care anymore she's heard it from you i they said when they knew i was leland palmer they somebody had recognized me they say weren't you why do you look so familiar didn't I, oh my god you were in all that jet and they said what's the most fun part you've ever played and i said mother of pearl ah uh, that's her name is her name is pearl and i met um my my dear blesses memory um uh her dad and uh we started doing theater together we started doing little puppet workshops for the kids in town and and he was got very involved and was just so fabulous and um so then one night he came home from work and i said tonight's the night i said we're going to make a baby tonight <laughs> he said he was, he was always only too willing and <laughs> and we did absolutely that was the night i conceived pearl oh, that's great which is the best 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 role i have ever played in my entire life and she and i do a lot of theater together here in 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 willets because there's a darling community theater called the uh willets community theater <laughs> and, and we do stuff there all the time we do improvisational shows we do all sorts of stuff there. Oh, we love working together. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And then to bring us up to the present day, I'd love to know what was the pandemic like for you and that whole experience? It was surreal. I was in the house most of the time. I went out very little. Um, basically, I was, my daughter and I Zoomed every day. And basically for, for the, all those months, I sequestered in place. And it was fun. I don't, I never get bored. When someone says it's, I was so bored. How can you be bored? Have you ever been bored? What no. does that mean to be bored? <laughs> I mean, I mean, there's always something to do, whether it's scrub the floor or whether to write a letter or whether to watch a good movie. I mean, but I, I don't know what that means to be bored because I think we've been, we've all been given gifts every one of us has been given gifts and we must know what our gifts are and we must we must live our gifts we have to oh yes um, is there something that you know now that you wish you'd known at the beginning of your career probably because i i am very into uh into um my spiritual practice now uh which is mostly buddhism and uh but i've done all of them and uh is that nothing stays the same is that everything changes and we, we it, things build and they they have life and they grow and they're, they give us energy and then things change and i think that's a, that's a wonderful wonderful lesson is that nothing i mean if we look outside i mean nothing ever 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 stays the same and to think that you know, yes, we can have a relationship like I have good, really good friends and they'll always be good friends. But but I but I make sure that that happens. I mean, I don't just disappear for three months and not get in touch with anybody, you know, but is that things change that that just when you think, you know, you're on a roll or this and that and this, that it's going to change. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's my biggest lesson. But then, you know, I'm 80, I'm almost 83 now, so I would hope there'd be some big lessons. Yes, that's amazing. 
And then the final question is, um, when you were working on Broadway, especially in the early part of it, that's what many people now consider the golden age of Broadway. And did you think of it that way then? And do you think of it that way now? No, that doesn't, the golden age of Broadway. No, I've never been a theater uh, aficionado or never followed the theater that much like my neighbors I mean my god I don't think there's anything that's ever been written or any actress that's ever lived or acted that he doesn't know the whole history but um it's always now you know it's always right now and I mean I can certainly have things that I'm interested in I read about if I'm interested and I'm curious about something but theater has never been high on my on my list of wanting to know about because I was always very an outside person. I always, uh, horses were my life and I love the outside. For me to walk outside, even if it's just my neighborhood, but I love, I, I, I love nature. And yeah, I, I love getting older. I think getting older is just, just such an incredible time. It's such a gift to grow older and and the things I love to do, I do. Like if I imagine or I have a dream about doing something, I usually will actually bring it to life. Um, I have several groups that I do here in town. That I have a life changes group that meets um, every week. We're in, we're ten, in our 10th year now. Um, a man came to me, a, a man's wife brought him to me who had Parkinson's and was just sitting in his house staring and very unhappy. And she heard about me that I did some counseling that I, 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 I uh, had a dream about being a chaplain. So I became a chaplain. Um, so I, he came to the house and while we were talking, he was, we were talking about everything. And he, I said, you know, Scott, I said, why don't you and I start a Parkinson's group? We started a Parkinson's group and it filled immediately. And we, and it's, and I still have a group going. It's it's in an eighth, it's in its eighth year, and my life changes group, our life changes group is in its tenth year. Wow. When people get together and talk about their lives and about things that, that are painful, and that's what's so interesting to me. And I worked for years at the St. Francis Memorial Hospital where I was a chaplain. And um I went to senior center to uh, assisted living communities and let sing song, sang songs to people. Oh. I just, everything kind of, it, I guess it's about performing. I mean, it is performance. And I, and I finally realized it was only about a month ago. I said, you know, Linda, you really love to perform. <laughs> I said, You're right. I love to perform. <laughs> that is great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's been such an honor to talk to you and a pleasure. Well, right back at you, Charles. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. And remember to come back next time when I am joined by an extremely special guest, a man who needs no introduction, Broadway legend Stephen Schwartz. To hear him talk all about everything from wicked to rags, you won't want to miss this conversation. So make sure to tune back in for that. And thanks for listening.